be good for you to spend some time with kids who don't run around with cameras and monster makeup. <laughs> So I, I was uh, I was looking through. Um, I don't know if you can see this, but this is um, Gore Zone number oh, yeah. nine and uh, Fangoria number ninety two, and Ooh. this is the one that Ed Martinez was in. And, you know, he's been sort of sending me messages about that, and because um, he did some stuff on the Dead Pit, and I knew I had a copy of of this thing, and it's it covered the Dead. Is that reversed to you, or is that the right way around for you? No, it actually looks right. It looks perfect. Okay, so I, I, yeah, I used to have this. I used to have, and I was trying to find it because I knew I had something with the dead pit in it. And I remember this sort of big, shiny baby thing on the front. Um, I, I'm sure it's not, but it just looks like a fat baby to me. But um, but yeah, so it was, I was like, oh yeah, I've got something on the dead pit. And I was trying to find it and I couldn't find it. So I found it on like eBay. And it was like, it cost the same as the magazine did when it came out. These things haven't increased in value, which I'm really pleased about. Wow. So it's really cheap for me to- Or somebody uh, doesn't know how to- how to increase prices for a collector's yeah. item. I am not going to grumble with that. So I've been reading through these old Gorzones and Fangoras and getting very misty eyed looking at all the stuff in it. But also when you read it, like the language and the way things are explained and everything, it's, it's quite amazing how much things have changed. It's, it's very strange. And the, and the ads in the back, this one still has the, the posters in it. I think that might be. Oh, nice. I don't know. I haven't taken them out yet, but that's cool. And then like the little ads in there as well. <laughs> like on oh, this, 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 I remember reading this. Overweight middle-aged male looking for a companion. Not those kind that's of ads. That's the one. <laughs> the next brand new. That's right. It's good, isn't it? Wow. It's good, mint condition. Yeah. yeah as to the Mark Shostrom makeup effects lab, um, looking at the, um, the suit on, on Ted Raimi for evil dead. It's fantastic so much fun so i get all gooey eyed looking at those going oh i used to love those and i'm like this is why you like doing a podcast and writing blog posts because it hasn't gone away so so that's fun so there we go so how has everyone everyone's day been danny how you been oh i'd like to say busy but <laughs> <laughs> not that busy quite relaxing well have you, you know have, in a strange yeah. sort of way so have you been able to do anything productive with your uh, lockdown or has it just been an absolute fucking chore i've tried i've seen other people doing amazing things i sort of feel guilty that i've really done anything but um yeah i've tried <laughs> i've not succeeded but i've tried but that's the thing isn't it it's like everyone compares themselves to what they're seeing on facebook and it's like this beautifully curated you know best version of oneself and it's not real I, I get very depressed looking no. at some of the things I see. On there. <laughs> I was looking through Instagram and seeing Sebastian Lockman sculpts of this of this ape head. Have you seen that? And it's just like oh, I just no, can't cut my hands that. off. What's the point? <laughs> well, I mean, in, no, in, I, in that case, they are like you know that is real. That is how he does. You know, he's just amazing. So I see what Rick so Baker does, and then I just go curl up in a ball for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's been amazing seeing everybody really pulling together some people have done incredible things there's been a lot of education which has been really beneficial but i just think for me i've concentrated more on just getting through it yeah just, just getting through it making sure my family's fine making sure everyone's healthy and happy and you know not trying to put too much pressure on myself to sort of achieve these amazing things during such a difficult period 
So mm. I've done bits and pieces and, you know, I'm quite an active person anyway, so I'm constantly doing something, but I've not really put any kind of pressure on myself to, to push, you know, any sort of productivity at the moment, which I think is it's good to allow yourself to do that because too much pressure at this time can really, you know, be a boiling point. Yeah, you get burnt out soon because I think, you know, it made me realize like of all the times that I've worked on things, I've worked really hard. It, it's it, You're working out on something that somebody else has arranged and it's somebody else's deadline. So there's a whole bunch of stuff you don't need to generate. You just need to focus your attention on the two or three things that are required of you. And yet when it's open-ended like this, it's quite hard, isn't it? Because you you think, you know, I am going to be the author and the composer and, and, and every musical section of the symphony and it better be a fucking good <laughs> symphony. And, 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 and no one can function like, or, or maybe a few can, and you see them on, you know, social media and then you compare yourself. You get, but that's oh, I've got a list of personal unusual. projects I've been wanting to try to do. And I haven't scratched a single freaking thing off the list. <laughs> well, same. I, I feel the same no, way. I, you know, every day I wake up with such a massive list of right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to do that. And then you just think, well, actually, I never get time really to concentrate on just normal, everyday, boring human tasks. Mm-hmm. So I sort of left that go after you know the first two months of like this need to be as productive as as you would be if you was out there working because you know I think most people that know me I'm sort of a workaholic and I love it I I love going to work I love those hours I love the stressful environments but this is something completely different so try and take that attitude and put it in this sort of setting is it's not great for your mental health and I think you know this is a good time to sort of go the other way and sort of concentrate on mental health healing having time with people you know I think most people have realized that connection is just the most important thing ever especially if you've been in the house for months on end you really miss that sort of personal connection with people being able to talk and you know being able to concentrate on that the things that we don't actually often get chance to do because we're on set for 16 hours plus six days a week um it sort of changed my attitude towards a lot of things i've re rethought a lot of things during this time so in a way i'm quite grateful to have had this time to be able to to sort of change the way i think about things and you know less hope that i can maintain this when those hours are reality again and and going back on set is is uh is part of a day-to-day thing because I'd really yeah. like to sort of be able to keep this going. Have you started prepping for when everybody gets back to work? Have you started putting together your post-COVID <sighs> I've been through my kit probably a million times. But, you know, I think that I was pretty OCD anyway. Anyone that's worked with me knows that my kit always has been decanted. It always has been labeled. It, You know, I sterilize everything religiously anyway. So when I really started to look at what I was doing, there's not much that I'm actually implementing as a change because I found that a lot of the things that was being asked of us and I have read everything that's come out. I've been a part of all the discussions. I've talked to multiple designers. There's not much generally that I need to change. The only thing that I will be putting in place is UV sterilizations, making sure that my work surfaces, I have different mats 
Um, I now have a little cleaning bag that comes with me and obviously the personal protective equipment. Um, but apart from that, it hasn't been too much of a huge change really in terms of how I keep my kit, what I store, how I'm storing it, how I maintain it and how I clean it because I've always done that anyway and I think a lot of makeup artists started to realise that actually you know we have been doing this for such a long time now um, and yeah. the only thing that I think I'm going to struggle with is uh, is the the PPE, the, the masks and the visors and um, only because I have problems with my airways so it's it's quite difficult really to keep those on for prolonged periods of time. But as far as like kit wise, I think that you know everything. I'm quite comfortable with like how that's being maintained, and I think everything's going to be fine once we get going. The ball gets rolling. It's going to be a lot easier than we think. Fingers crossed. You know. Well, I think as crafts go, um, hair and makeup are probably going to have an easier adjustment than camera and grip departments because, as you said, we already do clean everything pretty rigorously and and religiously. And the only real change is going to be the PPE, the, you know, more gloves, um, face masks, um, shields, that kind of stuff. Uh, I've gotten yeah. a couple of great UVC lamps that will kill anything. You, you don't know, you even want to look at it because it'll burn you if you aren't using it properly. And the only thing that I have seen that worries me about this UV um, sterilization processes and stuff, there's a lot of UV wands. Um, and initially I thought that's great. You know, you could have this UV wand or these UV set bags that people can just carry around. And there has been information that's come out now saying that you have to be extremely careful with how much you're using um, UV because it is powerful and it can cause health problems. So I think that's one thing that we do, you know, people need to be aware of that you shouldn't be wearing UV sterilizing equipment on your person. You shouldn't be using no. bonds. You should be using sealed, you know, sterilization boxes that you then put in your tools in. Another thing that I've changed as well is I've changed any sort of, all my tools are now metal. It's mm -hmm. easier to clean. And also all, any disposables that I have, cotton buds, mascara ones, they're all in individually sealed packages just so that I'm not carrying around open um, lots of disposables that's open because that's what I was doing before. Even though they were in cases, um, you're taking them to lots of different places. So that's the only thing really that I've changed in that sense. But yeah, I, I think, think everyone, we change things constantly, don't we? We do. I mean, I think the biggest danger is, is I mean, on an individual level, I think everyone's got what they've got and know how to use it. I mean, you know, in the mold shop, we've been wearing gloves, paper suits and masks for 12 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that doesn't worry me so much, but it's more the fact that the fact now everyone's pretty much going to be doing that has an increase in cost and it has an increase in time. And people yeah. can't really rush you if you need 25 minutes to clean your kit before you go you know what i mean you can't just hurry up like you did before when there was apparently nothing in the world that was infectious so it didn't matter if you just hurried up do you know what i mean so so what yeah. what, what is the, what is the eventual cost of that as a kind of a do you know what I mean? It's going to it's gonna be a slower ship to turn around. It's going to be like, you know, what you expect to get in a day, you're now going to have to do in two days because we have to account for the fact that people need a bit more time to get through an exit or it all yeah, adds one up. Day, Every single step. One is day shoots are now going to be two day shoots. 
so does that mean everything gets doubled in price and is that now going to go mm, maybe they don't have an infection anymore or maybe that's all digital because we do you know what i mean it's just like because yeah. some of those things are going to be just just a, a headache for someone somewhere time will tell because it yeah. has to be lots of people lots of people in a room i don't know but on an individual level i think we're all kind of getting by anyway we'll, we won't know we won't know it might, it might no. all calm down and this time next year we'll be all injected with the thing and the nanobots and the microchips will make us all better <laughs> jeff bezos will rule the world and it'll be fine <laughs> oh i know but we can't you know it is a lot to think about and it is something that can keep you up at night i think you know the the best yeah, thing you, you know you what can't. i'm thinking is just you know i'm going to be guided production to production i'm going to make sure i keep myself safe at all times i don't want to put myself in any kind of risk and um, you know and if you are being pushed and you are being you know forced to do something you think is unsafe i've i've definitely made that decision that i won't be doing that whether that means yes well you know not continuing it no but but we you will have certainly i'm sure we all have been in situations where you know something's dodgy or you know <laughs> you've you you're you're you've been pushed too far you've been working too many hours or whatever and you couldn't really have said anything without it being a massive problem possibly whereas yeah. now i think everyone's so worried about getting sued or so worried about what the outcomes are they're actually going to be someone whose job it is is to fucking listen to every little whisper and worry and be mm. there ready to put it out which is kind of good in in the sense that maybe people won't be fucking exhausted all the time maybe but <laughs> I've only ever fallen asleep once at the wheel, but do you know what I mean? It's like that was once too many. So, um, you know, maybe maybe that could have a positive effect. It could go the other way. Maybe just actually filming will be a, a much nicer thing to do in five years from now. So, Wouldn't that be I'm nice? definitely hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping for it. In reality, well, I think it might not go that way, but I'm definitely optimistic that, you know, people's concerns and, and we will be listened to, whether that's going to happen or not is just for the future to see how it all plays out but i'm looking forward to going back to work i'm looking forward to doing the job and uh, i'm hopeful to see how everything sort of works itself out yeah and i'm seeing good things so far so yeah i think it could be very cool anyway we didn't want to talk about COVID <laughs> no. how much it's tipped our, our lives up like a, like a lunchbox <laughs> hit by a bully in the lunch hall <laughs> we want to talk about how good your work is and how many cool things you've done um I was thinking, like with most things, we like to talk about, you know, different aspects of things. Something I think that we've seen of you, which I think is quite interesting, and I haven't seen many people do, is how you've combined like fashion stuff and quite high concept stuff using prosthetics. It's, just, it's almost like the makeup's not about the prosthetic, it's about something else, and you've employed prosthetics in it to create something new. So it will be quite nice to talk about that if you're cool with that. Yeah, something we can talk about <laughs> Well, because like Todd and I were both at that IMATS. I think it was LA 2017. Was it the 20, 20 year 16 anniversary? Yeah, I think it was the anniversary year. It was the anniversary. And, and, and you had done something. You were on the Titanic stand. You were doing this big makeup. And I remember you talking about pressure. I remember you like it coming to the end of when your allotted time was. And you were just going like a whirling, like, I don't know what. I've got like pictures a, of that like somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I seem to remember as well. It was a little bit risky what I was doing. So I decided well, that, that I wanted to push the boundaries with it. I wanted to show this androgynous look, but obviously I went for something that was completely nude, a nude look. So there was no big color, no big paint jobs. It was all about fine lines and geometric shapes. 
And and, the crystal, uh, there were like crystal shards in there as well, yeah. wasn't there? Those are crystalline um, kind of patterns and stuff. And I deliberately wanted to make it, yeah, I deliberately wanted to make it quite, you know, for a body painting, you're used to seeing bright colours, a lot of paint. It's almost like, um, you know, they completely cover the body from head to toe. And what I wanted to do was do something that was the polar opposite to that. I wanted to cover as little as possible and show as much as possible. And at one point, I remember, you know, I didn't think it was going to be as shocking as it was. I remember starting it off and actually being told, well, maybe you should just paint it blue. This is a little bit too risky. And I was like, adamant that oh, I wasn't really? going to do that. Really? Um, I, yeah, I, I nearly they, they nearly shut it down completely. I nearly get, didn't get a chance to show it at all because I think it was just surprising for people that I was doing it on the body and it was flesh toned and it wasn't, it wasn't going to cover the more, you know, nothing was on show. But you know, right, it right. was very androgynous. It was it was sexless. The piece was sexless, and but there was a lot of skin because I wanted to show, even though there wasn't a lot of skin, there was a lot of prosthetics on there. But it, I wanted to make it look um, yeah, like they weren't prosthetics. Uh, it was the skin that it was mm-hmm. it was skin, and we were almost seeing something internal, you know. Mm. Um, but I do remember being pulled aside at one point and and um, being told that I could do the makeup. So the compromise was I could do the makeup, but I needed to cover and only work on sections of the body until it was finished and then for it to be seen and removed as quickly as possible. Amazing. <laughs> but we've seen we Americans sort of can thing certainly happen. be prudish. But I think uh, if I didn't genuinely have a vision for that that makeup and if I hadn't tested things out and I knew exactly where I wanted to go with it, um, maybe I would have deferred from it. But, you know, it was a half an hour, quite an intense conversation of trying to convince everyone that this was going to be fine, it was going to be good and and just to let me carry on. Were they happy with it in the end? Were they? Did you pass muster? Was it acceptable? I think so. I think so. I was happy with it. <laughs> I, I think any time you do sure some, spent a lot of time photographing it. <laughs> I think any time you do anything different, you've got to expect. You know, mm. I wanted it to be surprising, so the fact that that happened was the exact reaction that I that I was looking to get from the piece. Right. I think this is what I like about how you approach things because I've seen a lot of people do makeups and they're, they're kind of, it's almost like they're leading with the processes of the makeup first. They've like, they, they want to show that they've mastered everything process wise and they'll come up with a, a competent, but unimaginative makeup. Whereas it seems to me like you've got your processes down, you know, your materials and it's almost like now that's been kind of understood. That's not, as important as right, what do we do with this? And you focus very much on what it is you're going to create with it. Um, so you've done some big things. I remember the trade because I haven't seen a lot of your stuff. I haven't been around you when you've been work. We haven't worked together on anything. I, I don't know. think one or two. What a shame. But I've seen you at trade shows, and it's always nice when you do these big things and they're just the elaborate things. Like there, there was that thing you did on Keras, I think, the London IMATS, and it was like a big oh, yeah. playing cards thing. It was like a big, or is it a candy thing? It was big. It was just big. There was just lots of. <laughs> things projecting out from the body and there was a lot of color 
Um, and it was again, just like kind of an assault on the senses, but without being that thing where you see a lot of these shows where people are just trying to shout very loud with as much of everything as possible. It's quite a delicate balance to kind of do, isn't it? Otherwise it's like a nest of birds all screaming for the worm. You don't really know where to look because there's just so many things happening at once. Um, I think for me, I've never really gone out my way to intentionally, uh, you know, I never sit down and think, right, I want to do something spectacular. I I think for me, what I what I normally and how I approach it is normally from concept, so an idea or a feeling or um, some kind of expression. And then the trade shows for me has never been a pressurized situation. I I know a lot of artists go there and they go there and it's a portfolio piece. But I think because I started doing them, I had the opportunity quite young to go. And, you know, when I was working at Gorton Studios, it was a fun thing to do. You know, it was like it wasn't um, specifically, you know, this is your time to shine moment. It was just, do you want to do it? Do you have something you want to show? And it was it was sort of fun because everything that you do up until that point is so stressful and is so precise you know working on set is so demanding you have to be so precise with everything everything needs to be perfect you know the applications need to be perfect and and what the trade shows were for me really was a chance to discover myself discover mm -hmm. a style um and try new things so every time i've gone i've i've not really known how it's gonna work out i've never gone there thinking this is a finished piece it's normally something an idea that i've not been able to do for any other time that either i'm getting some help with the materials or there's an opportunity to go and represent a certain company or you know just go in there to meet people and I've never taken it um, to be an opportunity to produce a portfolio piece. It's always been a work in progress. I, I remember one time going and I did this sort of very beautiful lizard makeup. And I don't think I, you know, everything I've ever done for a trade show has been done within three days before the show. Because up until up until that point, you know, I'm working and I have yeah. to concentrate on what I'm doing on set. Then you sort of get day release or, you know, a few days before you have that little bit of um, pressure or I might have had an idea a month or so ago and then I've got those three days to sort of do it. And, and you know, I did this lizard makeup and I remember being there, you know, early hours of the morning I still hadn't put a costume together and I'm I'd vacuum formed I I was thinking about doing something else and um, I was looking at the back form sheets you know the grid that you get um, mm -hmm. when you've not put anything in the vac form and I was thinking yes. well that looks like lizard skin so I just remember sitting there all night and just pouring two or three layers into trays with the grids from the vac form and then peeling them all out and somehow making some bodice to it but it didn't have a back because I ran out of time so by the time I got to the back uh, the back of the costume the, I was being asked to go in the car because we needed to leave for London 
So I turned up to the show and I only had the front part of the costume. I was thinking, what am I going to do for the back? And I just remember like grabbing some fabric and thinking, you know, I'll figure it out. But so I did the makeup and then I was thinking, right, I don't actually know what I'm going to do for this costume now. I can't let her walk around with nothing at the back. So I remember just taking like, you know, in front of everyone. So you've got everybody coming over saying, hi, you know, I'm I'm doing the makeup. I've just finished the makeup and I'm thinking, how am I going to put this costume together? So I just gaffetaped it at the back and then draped these fabrics down and, you know, and people coming to you going, oh, you must have worked for months to do this. And I was thinking, uh, well, you know, I'm glad it looks that way, but it's it's really not. So I love it when I see students there and I see students demonstrating and I'm seeing them put their work together. And the first thing that they say is, oh, you know, it, it could be better or it could be this. I just think, hey, look, relax. You know, this is a moment to be happy, you know. I remember being a student sitting at IMATS. I went every year. I would travel from Wales. I'd normally only have enough for a one-day ticket, so I would drive there by myself, sort of get my notebook. I, I wasn't really interested in the stores, but I'd make sure I'd go around, take notes from every demonstration, sit in the front row, watch every talk, and I still like to do that. You know, mm. they're great events. They're there to learn. And, you know, to be a part of doing those things is just joyous. It's, it's not supposed to be stressful. It's supposed to be, you know, an, an enjoy, enjoyable experience that you get to share with other people. And if it doesn't go quite right, hey, it's fine. You know, we're not filming it today. I think and it's I amazing. I always learn something. Yeah, you're, like, you're something. doing these things. You're doing these things and, and, and the people who are watching you do it maybe don't realize that they're witnitsing you coming up with stuff on the fly. Do you know what I mean? Oh, but they see time. you finish there. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that and it, that's... And it frequently turns into a teachable moment when you know an edge flops over and it's not supposed to, and you gotta 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 fix it. You know, it's you know you don't wish for teachable moments, but when they happen, they're they're kind of serendipitous because you know as an educator, that's what that's what we do. I did I a remember... demonstration. Oh, go on, Todd. <laughs> no, I, I was just you you talking about trying to finish your costume on the fly and you know you got to get to the airport and it's still not done uh, it reminds me a little bit of the bella lugosi makeup that stewart did uh, for the rick baker tribute when he's brings the molds over and he's casting pieces in in dallas and he's coming up here and it was <laughs> that was that was a little probably a little more stressful than you would hope it would be Plus, Rick Baker's going to be there going, hmm. <laughs> I think that's nice, though, you know? Like, that's what I enjoy about set work. I, I do, you know, I spend 95% of what I do. I'm on set. I'm an on-set artist. I'm not in the workshop. So I'm used to having phone calls, you know, at 7 o'clock in the evening and then, you know, a huge panic, something needs to be done, something needs to be made. You know, I thrive on that sort of environment I always have done. So that's the part that I really like. It is stressful and it is tiring, but um, it's the problem solving and it's the discovery of new things. The only time that I learn is when <laughs> I'm under so much intense pressure 
I need to find another way. <laughs> you haven't got a way out. You've got to figure it. I've got, yeah, this <laughs> you can't not deliver. If it needs to be on set, you have to deliver something. So if you haven't got the time to do it the right way, then do it the wrong way and make sure it works. That's a really good way. <laughs> Stuart and I were just talking about this in, in the podcast we, we recorded a couple of days ago, uh, where, you know, you get a, have a deadline, you know, that's not going to change and people keep piling more stuff onto your plate and it's got to get done. So quit fidgeting around and just got to <laughs> kind of got to get to it. I, well, I, I find myself, I'm more productive when, when I have lots to do than when I have a, have a pretty idle schedule. I know it sounds, sounds like, well, of course you, you get more done because you've got more on your plate, but it, it, it forces you to focus. And I think that's where, where the, the productivity comes from. Yeah. I, Absolutely. I mean, it's really encouraging. Like when you were saying like, oh, you had these things and you had to try and fix them. Cause what I would want is someone who's listening to this that hasn't really maybe started out yet. Here's this, that, oh shit, the people that do this for a living have these things thrown at them and they don't know the answers, but they trust from experience that they're going to figure it out. They don't need to know the answers to start attempting to fix it. It's the thing is to actually push forward into that area of discomfort and try because that's where you that's where you've discovered that actually you can come up with a solution it may not be the best solution but it's a solution like <laughs> you're saying maybe do it the wrong way and make it work i think that's a yeah, really, no, it's, really it's mo great moments it. of it's discovery fantastic. those great light bulb moments can happen in some yeah. of those instances of of sheer panic oh god so yeah I, I agree so danny tell us about what was what was the 10 year old danny doing were you covered in blood were you, you were scaring people with fake blood and, and making people up and, and, and blowing up the cat with whatever. <laughs> Not literally. Yeah. That's <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Just the making horrible scenes with various things or. Uh, I think you... it's really funny. I mean, you know, I never even knew makeup was a job. It just wasn't a reality really. You know, it wasn't something I really love it when I hear stories of people that were making things when they were, um, so young, making prosthetics at 12. Even now, you know, so much information is available to people seeing teenagers playing with these things. It's just really inspiring for me to see. Um, but I didn't know any of that sort of existed. You know, anything on TV was so such a far stretch to think that anybody actually worked on these things. You know, it, it didn't exist in my in my world at that time. But yeah. I was pretty, yeah, I would make anything, you know. I think if you ask my parents, they still laugh about it now. They had two two very normal children and one very crazy one. So, you know, <laughs> and I remember she in a room with my sister and at one point she drew a line down the middle of the room uh, because she was just <laughs> like, keep, keep all this crazy stuff on this side, you know, because I would cut things I would cut up magazines, I would make collages, you know, I anything that I could do that was creative, I would be doing it. And I remember convincing my mother to let me um, sort of move my bedroom to the attic room. And it was an attic room. And wow. um, to discourage me, she sort of went, well, if you paint it and sort it out yourself, then you can stay there. So I spent sort of a month sorting everything out, boxing everything up, you know, taking a bed there. And I finally had a space that I could 
really go to town. You know, nobody was interested in that attic space. Nobody was interested in those walls. So I remember, oh my God, what colour did I paint it? Like bright orange in places with, you know, coloured dots everywhere. And I took some poetry and wrote it all over the wall. So I've always been a little bit sort of artistic, really. Yeah, but you've combined it with effort because that takes that that sustained effort. Like like you said, your parents probably threw that at you, thinking, "Oh, this will see her off." And then, no, like you know, three, three weeks it. later, you're still boxing <laughs> stuff up and taking tins of paint up and making it right. I mean, that's that's different. A lot of people have whims that they won't see through, but to actually add the efforts to the intention is and sustain it. That's actually and at a young age, cool, that's great. Well, I yeah, think I have the gift and the torture of tunnel vision, so. <laughs> Once there's something that I think is achievable that I can that I can do, then you know that tunnel vision sort of kicks in and my head goes down and I drive it until I get to the the place that I want to be really, which is a gift and also a little bit uh, not so much of a gift at the same time because I've obviously realised as you grow and you know, especially in adulthood, that that tunnel vision doesn't always lead you to the best place. So it's to try and maintain the focus um, without um, sort of pushing yourself in places that you don't necessarily need to to go, if that makes sense. So mm. it's having tunnel vision, but the option of a side tunnel every now and again. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, because you've got to see it through, but also equally, if you flip from thing to thing, and I can be guilty of that, you're never going to get anything done. You'll just be surrounded by a million unfinished projects, um, which strangely is exactly what I'm looking at around. But, you know, I do come through on occasion. It's just because you get really into something and then, oh, that kind of fizzles out. Or, there's a really good book that Seth Godin wrote called The Dip. It's a very short book. I'll see if I can find it. It's up there somewhere. Um, and it's about that process. It's about, you know, um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's, it's it's about, you know, that thing of when you start something full of intent and gradually you run out of steam and then you hit a snag and then you hit a series of snags and you hit this dip. And if you push, 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 you come through the other side. And a lot of people don't get past that dip. And I think that's, that is the secret to a lot of it is it's just bloody minded persistence. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have really thought that, you know, it took me three years to get a trainee position. It took me three years, you know, looking back now, I mean, you see university students, college students, and they're having opportunities straight out from from college. I just, I just think is amazing, you know, because I didn't I didn't go through that. It was, you know, it was a long journey of really trying to push, push, push. And I think there was sixty other students that oh, I wow. trained with, and you know, I was the only one to sort of come out from the other side of that dip. So in a way, I'm really glad I had that. <laughs> that tunnel vision but also you know you have to reassess things every now and again change directions make sure you're doing the the right thing um and not just forcing yourself through it hmm. damn some good advice <laughs> that's real that's it i mean i think I, this is what i really like about this podcast is speaking to other people about what it is that they do because everyone has, is, is successful and, and and good at something that they love and and you know, we'll see pictures and sometimes in magazines, but there's no one really explaining what went behind it or, or, or why mm -hmm. it was difficult or what it was that they found about something. Because 
I think like when you see a lot of those really nice makeups at trade shows, they're ones that have been prepared in advance. They maybe had test makeups. They've refined it to like a performance, which is great. It's really good. But if you want to know about how to play an instrument rather than just what a well-played instrument sounds like, it's quite nice to see people struggling and then going through with you what the struggle was and, and the things that they maybe had to overcome that you don't even know. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the common <laughs> themes that, that runs runs through all of these podcasts is that, you know, it's okay to not be satisfied with your work and to be outside your comfort zone and, and have that, I think it's like a, a nagging anxiety. It's just what keeps pushing us all forward. Mm. Yeah. I do think though that we've, we, so, um, you know, I quite often see people, you know, they post their work or you you can see there's a tremendous amount of effort that's been that's been done and you know, it's really beautiful work and they start the sentence with, um, work in progress, you know, it could be better and then list all the things that I'm happy with it as this, you know, putting that piece of work out into the world. And one thing that I've really tried not to do, because I think all artists, we're all self-critical. We we criticise ourselves to such an extreme that sometimes I, I think a little bit of self-love. So, you know, I encourage myself and I encourage the people that work around me. You know, if you've done something good, say it out loud. And if someone pays you a compliment, say thank you. Don't deter that with oh, you know, well, I could have done this better, I could have done that better, because the criticism and you know, the constructive criticism that we all do, that comes later. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you know, there might be a few things that you don't like about the application or about how you've made something, but it's on and it's done. And this there's going to be a list of things that you really love about it as well. So I just think after I've done something, you know, I do try and say you know i think those edges are great i think the color choice that i did was great i really love that i'm gonna leave myself later when i'm in the hotel room to write my notes and and go through all the pointers to make sure things are better the next day and the day after that i know that i do that so Mm. that's fine you know i i welcome constructive criticism especially you know from the people that's working around you and stuff it's important to listen to their opinions and stuff and also, I think it's good to analyze your own work. But I also think that just a little bit of self-love, a little bit of kindness towards yourself, tell yourself the things that you've done well will just give you such um, such a boost and it'll help you. It helps your work. You know, if we rip ourselves apart too much, then, you know, it comes to a point where you can't enjoy that work anymore. Yeah. So... I think the best thing for anybody going into this industry is to remember that you don't need to tell your colleague what you hate, but you you can tell them what you love. You can tell them what you did good, you know, and as the people, you know, we all have a responsibility as artists to encourage that, you know, because I think it's a culture of, I don't want to seem like I'm too happy with what I've done just in case they see the flaws. But I, I think it's okay. You know, I really do yeah. think it's okay. And I, I think it surprises people sometimes, especially, you know, if they've never worked with me before. Quite often in prosthetics, you do an application with a partner 
Um, you might never have met them before. You don't know what the dynamic is going to be like. I think it does. You know, I've I've worked with people before who have said, you know, oh, you 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 don't need anyone to to um, sort of compliment your work. And I thought, well, I I don't want to wait for somebody else to compliment something that I think is is good that I've done because I just want to appreciate the fact that I've done my utmost. I've done my best. I've given 150%. I really like, you know, aspects of what I've done and I'm happy to say it. And then, you know, you see this sort of, you see them being able to do it, you know? Yeah. And what's really nice is, is to be able to work with someone who believes it's right to not be too complimentary about their own work and they don't want to say anything positive about what, they've done just in case you know um they might get a negative reaction to it then they see you doing it and the first reaction you get is oh you're not supposed to do that that's not allowed we're not allowed to compliment ourselves and then within a week you're surrounded by people going did you see what i did it was awesome this was great and i'm like yes it was it was great it was really good well done now let's get on set let's work these hours you know because we yeah. work we work so hard, so we might as well enjoy and we might as well be happy with what we've done. And if there's problems, we're going to fix them. We're going to make yes. sure it's good for camera. So well, it's supposed to be fun. criticism for the hotel, you know? Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? it later. Yeah, because if you think, oh, I really did the edge right or that was, you know, this went down really well, that doesn't also mean in brackets i don't think any any of this can be improved like you say it's like it's a case of it's 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 an equal measure thing isn't it like you say to be um to 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 not to notice the good things as well as the bad because oh, yeah. if you, know, you spot yeah. the bad things you wouldn't say that about somebody else's work to their face or so why would you say it to yourself because like, so, <laughs> you I, I always then. you know i'm very like you know critical over what i've done and i can always see exactly where the the faults are and I just think you know as an artist we learn on a daily basis it never changes whether you're 13 or whether you're 90 there will always be something they will never I can honestly say I've never done anything where I can say that's perfect I really love you know everything about that is perfect even things I love I think you know I really love the color choices but actually I might have wrote down in my notes to change the color mixture or, you know, I'm happy with it in that moment in time with my abilities as they are. And that was the best that I could possibly achieve. You know, I just, you know, I just think it's great to be able to go to work and to be able to give yourself that little bit of confidence of like, I'm going to go, I'm going to give 150%. I'm going to deliver as best I can in this very moment in time. And I'm going to be happy with that. And I'm not going to tear myself apart because I can't achieve something that I'm not ready to achieve yet. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it's really important, like that as a community of artists, that we don't do that to other artists. We don't make people feel that they can't say it out loud because i think saying it out loud makes it real it, it makes it gives you a boost to your self-worth you know and it makes other people feel like they can say it too mm -hmm. and we don't need to sit around together and and share our 
constructive criticism points. We, we can if we're learning from it. We can do that as well. But I also think if we're going to do that, we should do the positive side that goes with it. And it breeds yeah. such a healthy environment. You know, it, it breeds a much happier, healthy environment to work in. Oh, yeah. If you, if you are giving, giving some negative comments about, about something, you've got to balance it out with positives as well. I yeah, mean, that's a, that's a must. Yeah, there's a lot of that on, on Facebook, isn't there, and stuff where a lot of people tear into things. You've seen it on forums where they get disrupted. But you don't, I've never really heard anyone articulate that, Danny, where someone is, is, is pointing out specifically, look, if you're creating something, you know, take some time to actually recognize what you did that was worth, you know, that was good and makes it worth something. Because the danger is, I suppose, if you just criticize everything all the time and that becomes your default position, you start thinking that everything you've done is worthless. And it's like, that's not the case yeah. at all. It's just, it's no. not going to be perfect, but there is something in it that was amazing or a lot in it that was really good and it will make you closer to the better thing next time. And so don't throw that away. It's yeah, no matter you, how good. Go ahead. Oh, I think you sort of learn this from teaching. Like the more you teach, the more you realize that when you have a student, they might they might be. You have such a mixed bag when you're teaching. You, you really do. And I love teaching as well. You know, I, I really do. And yeah, you normally have such a mixed bag of personalities, abilities, natural talent, you know, people that have grafted and worked hard. And when you're trying to explain to new artists coming in how they should feel, when they've completed something it's nothing better than saying to a student this is great you know i'm watching their faces light up because they actually achieved what they set out to achieve i just think as a professional surely we should be doing this as well you know and i'm i'm a very critical person anyway i like to be you know i like to be perfect and as <laughs> as an adult i've sort of realized that perfection is is there's no such thing as perfection. It's just you're just learning to to progress. That's it. There's there's no perfection. And I have books, files, lots of files. Every single job that I do, I document. So it'd be really interesting at the end of my career to to show them. But I often show them to trainees. And what I do, say, for example, ball caps, or if it's a specific thing or a specific technique, every time I do an application or every time I make something, I take just a little bit of time just to write down how and what I did, what was good and what was bad. And then just because it might be months before you do another ball cap, it might be, you know, jobs vary so much. And because I do hair and makeup as well, um, even on a yearly basis, the pattern of my work changes. So last year I did a lot of hair work, you know, the year before was very prosthetic focused. And then in the middle of all of this, you've got other things. So, you know, it's really important to keep these things because when you do get a call for a, for a specific kind of job, um, I just, before I go on to that job, I just go back through and I see the last one that I did. And then... I sort of recap on what was good, what was bad, what I used, if there's anything I've sort of learned in the middle of that. And once I've done it that day, I then go back and I repeat the process again. You know, I That's I write amazing. down what, what I That's do. That's such a good idea. That's such I, a good idea. What is good and what if not. So 
with ball caps, I think I've got about 15 years worth of documentation now on ball caps, you know, with something I don't know how, but I've ended up doing a lot of. Um, and if you go back to the very first page, to the page that it is now, I mean, the journey is astronomical. Even, you know, the wrapping techniques, how to get rid of long hair. Can you put long hair up or can you just hide it away? Because quite often now, you know, they want that shot where you see the back of the neck. Whereas when I first started, I always hid it. You know, I always, I always hid it. Now I wrap the hair. I use different products, you know. And I can see the progression of like, I'm taking the good and I'm leaving the bad. I'm taking the good and I leave the bad behind, you know. And then sometimes I go back and go, well, actually, that wasn't that bad. So I put it in the good list and I try it again. So it's all about just, you know, I love the technicality of things. I love the products. I love to know what's in the products. I love to know everything about them. Basically, I just love information. So... And then the more I can manipulate that information, the more I can change it and make it do something else that it's not really supposed to do, but it works. The the more tech, the more things I develop from that. Can you put tattoo transfers underneath prosthetics? Yes, you can. Can you make them translucent and see a pattern underneath? Yes, you can. You know, but how do you know until you try? Yeah. So I'm constantly tinkering, thinking, thinking, tinkering. That's and amazing. I'm not so you... the best technician, but, you know, I, I, I try and I'm more of an application artist, really. But it's the colors, you know, and what colors work and how do you overlay colors? And it's always how. And mm-hmm. I just that's that's what I really love about it. How? Why does that work? It's not good enough that it just works. It's why does it work? What about that makes it work? Or why doesn't it work? So yeah, drill down to know, get to the bottom of it. Yeah, and I find it really interesting just to look back on things. That's fantastic. I, love, I just love to read my, <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm very dyslexic as well. Some of these notes are handwritten; they're quite funny to read. You know, if I've done them in a rush or something, half the time I can't understand the early ones. Now I type them, so we're all good. But um, you should keep voice notes. That's what I do when I keep getting emails and stuff with questions. I tend to just record a voice because. That way you don't have to write it down and it's quicker. <laughs> and you can oh. enforce it with emotion as well. Just keep little MP3s on your things. But that's a that's such a good idea because then it takes your brain back to where, like you say, where you were the last time you did it, but also you have a record of, of your, your triumphs and your and you know things that went wrong and you can kind of piece it together and you go, Oh, and then you can get your head in that space again and, and emotionally adjust because like the emotions come from things working or not and if you know what ones do and what ones don't then you can actually avoid those things much more you know clearly and then yeah well, the how the how is very important but i think the why is even more important oh yeah yeah but well everything's important you know just understanding and gaining um new bits of information and i i watch and i, I can't remember what it was but um I can't even remember who it was, but I just remember um, watching this documentary and they were talking to um, a software developer and um, they were showing where he works. And he was just, I was thinking, I can't believe this. This is, this is where this guy works, but surely he works on computers. He develops software. And then they showed um, this building and it was just, you know, there was a 
there was um, a kitchen there, like a full chef's kitchen. There was lots of toys and children's toys and um, lots of different areas. And, and what he was trying to explain was that how can you develop something new if you don't have an array of information? So um, if he's developing something new, um, what his technique is, that he does things that he enjoys or new things. So he takes up new hobbies. He he cooks, so he tries new recipes. And, and then from that, you discover a whole different line of investigation, you know? So from these different... is. I think this is was important for students, you know, that you can't just read from a book or a DVD or do a class and then repeat a process. That's not what it's about. This is um, like an artistic study um, of this subject. So you have to take that information and then you need to play with it and change it, try new things. And quite often, you know, I've found... So what I really love, this is going to sound bonkers, but, you know, um, you can get these um, learning aids for children. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw them advertised and I don't have any children. And I just thought, oh, my God, that looks awesome. You know, these science kits. And I was like, I wonder if I could, like, get them for someone so that they could, so I could just see what was in the box. And I was thinking of, you know, my niece or my nephew, would they enjoy this? And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to buy myself one. So now I I have them. They come on a monthly basis, and it gives you all the scientific information. From that, I've done so many different projects, so many different projects of things that I don't know about. They're children's kits, but they have experiments in them that you can make crystals, you can make something explode, you can make, you know, I just thought this is really relevant to to what I'm doing and I don't know this stuff. So, you know, I'm there playing with the children's kit, but at the same time, I'm thinking, oh, I could adapt this. Is this skin safe? Could I use this? Can I put this on a person? Can I... You know, can I make something and maybe use it on a job? So it's just interest. I think any kind of information, any kind of uh, things that you can really grasp and anything that you find interesting is worthwhile. Amazing. You've got this like this rabid desire to know stuff and you constantly using your brain in different ways. Like you say, with this experiment thing, I guess it takes your brain. It's engaging your mind in a different way that you hadn't necessarily planned and takes you somewhere. And that's amazing. That's, I think, yeah. I'm really <laughs> stoked by this conversation. Stuart's I want to go and get one of those now. <laughs> well, I think it's really important to, uh, to, to increase your personal database. You know, the more experience you can get in, in a number of areas, the I think the more readily you're going to be able to take that, even even if you're not consciously aware of it, you can take that information that you've been been storing storing up and use that to help problem solve things you didn't know you could could problem solve oh, yeah, yeah because definitely. i i think a lot of it comes with like when you get older as well like i'm finding that like i i have a 
because things have changed a lot in the industry and, and, and different materials and different processes and, and things. And I can find myself getting bogged down with things. And then like when you listen to like, you know, we were talking about 3D printing a few years ago and you were going to include it in your book, Todd, and you, were, you know, it was all kind of like reasonably new for, 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 for public consumption. And now you and I will regularly have conversations about quite specific things within that process because yeah. just through playing with it, I've kind of included it in how I do stuff now. And now it's, I'm not, I'm not fluent in it as a language at all, but it does make me think in ways of different things. And that's just a small thing. But now Danny, you're making me want to like take up knitting or just, just cards or just, just something else that's like involving your brain because actually. I want to know more might, about that might... science kit that makes things blow up. <laughs> I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a kit. <laughs> Especially That's in amazing. lockdown, you know. I don't even know if yeah. we're still in lockdown or not anymore. But wow. especially now, this is great time to play and and just to have a bit of fun. I think the main the main thing about it really is enjoyment inspires. So to keep enjoying something, you really need to, you know. Yeah. Is you can't just do and repeat. That's not. Well, not for me anyway. I know a lot of people no, actually no. like that. They they like that steady routine. They like to do something that they know and repeat it. But that's just yeah. not. No, I think. Do you know what I think the problem really. is? I think the problem is that that's that's the most easily scalable process for education. So that's why mm -hmm. it becomes like the McDonald's kind of cookie cutter. If 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 John doesn't come in, then Jane can take his place, and the fries will yeah. taste exactly the same because the process doesn't involve any creative part, and you're you, you're just a node, and you have a very specific niche series of things. So you kind of want a nation of people like that, but that doesn't work really because we need people to think outside the box and do we've got so many cool things and ai and all kinds of stuff coming up we need people to be to to be smart with it i guess so i think i think being um intelligent not just not book smart but like you say like like actually willing to feel uncomfortable and, and strike out in a different area and just have fun with it play with it and out of that play will come comfort and out of that comfort will become a familiarity that you then might start employing your brain in a different way and you might end up doing something completely different but if you're happy does it matter if you're exactly. designing something yeah who's <laughs> to say this is your very narrow remit and uh, as an older guy i'm finding that i do have to kind of like oh i only know this thing and uh, and actually you have the capacity to learn more don't you so fucking hell danny <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> I, i'm all excited now i know all these books i know that well, I'm gonna I, go through. I do though and you know like sitting in the house you know by especially during you know these times and stuff and just sitting around looking around i have like loads of books and then every now and again i'll pull one out but but you know there's such an array of books actually i've just got you know books on everything i, I love books you know so there's i have lots of like prosthetic magazines lots of dvds lots of collections of things like that and the things that i've been reading has been you know i've read a lot about abstract art you know classic portraiture how to mix and use oil paints you know i i did my a levels in art but it's been such a long time that i sort of been quite nice just to sit and and revisit those things and that's actually improved my paintwork so but it's it's not intentional it's not something you go out your way i will read this book on oil paints to improve my painting it's just you know if you if if it interests you and in, you enjoy it there'll always be something you know before yeah. i did makeup i was a tire fitter 
and guaranteed on every job someone needs their tire changed and it comes in useful every time and every time I say well you know that skill's not wasted you know I'm I'm still using that skill even if I am just changing someone's tire or just being helpful everything you do in life you've this is why I think is you know uh, a lot of people say, oh, I don't, I don't know if I could be in this industry. I think I might be too old. I don't know if I, you know, it's worth it now, you know, because I'm past this age or past that age. I think, no, this is the best time. You know, imagine all the things that you've learnt over, over the years, you know, like all those things can be implemented. It can be used just being able to speak and communicate with people on a level that, you know, perhaps someone who's 18 can't do. Yeah. You know, 95% of my job is being able to communicate with the actor, being able to make them feel comfortable, being able to be empathetic when they're not having a great day, being able to connect. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a, that is a lot of it. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. It, it just felt, yeah, that, like, that, that nothing is wasted because competence is required at every turn, regardless of what it is. And I guess, like you say, you can you can use a, a familiarity and a skill in one area somewhere else in a different way. Even oh, if it's yeah, just well, a confidence I, that you know you can do other things, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be directly yeah. usable. It's when I go shopping for bits and bobs at Home Depot for a project I'm working on. Um, rarely am I using the stuff I'm getting in the hardware department. <laughs> God forbid they ask used you for what's it used for, for its original purpose. Yeah, they said you. You wouldn't get, you wouldn't understand, you know, it's all for making other things. Oh my gosh. So Danny, what do you love, making? I love, I love walking with, I love uh, walking into B&Q or any kind of place like that because, you know, I know nothing about like typical construct. I, I don't have a construction background. So when I walk in there, it's just a sweet shop really of like, does this fit with this? Does that go with that? Can I stick that to this and make that, you know, so Sometimes I think it's just great not to have the not to know. So yeah, you haven't li- limited yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, because yeah. I'm looking at tubing, I'm looking at strapping, you know. And sometimes, you know, my dad is coming with me. He's like, "You can't use that for this. That screw's got to go with that." And I'm like, "No, I, I was thinking of like making some horns, or you know, I'm constantly picking things up, putting them on my head, or you know, nobody likes to come <laughs> to be in queue with me. Nobody likes it." But, um, you know, anywhere I go, I'm constantly thinking, like, how do I adapt this? This is really cool fabric. Or, you know, can I I take something from this and make something else? It's just really interesting. And sometimes, you know, I'm I'm thankful. Sometimes I'm not thankful that I don't don't have a construction (laughs) background. I wish I learned a little bit more. But then other times I'm thinking, well, I'm managing, so you know, is, is okay. And I'm, I'm using all the things for different reasons. Oh, I think it's good. I think, I think if you have to make something that people live in, then yeah, you do need to do that, that rigid, <laughs> you know, uh, regulation, but, but, but you're talking about like taking something from another industry and like just messing with it and using it in a different way that, you know, like you said, you find these things and, oh, can I use this for such and such, obviously, or use the things as science maker. Oh, yeah. Well, we use, we use it. plumbing supplies for, for blood rigs. Well, exactly that. Yeah, oh, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that, yeah, that... I, or or f- I make foam injectors out of out of 
plumbing pipes. Yes, and, and when I when I've made up lug bricks and stuff, I can remember like like my dad showing me how to repair you know a puncture on my bicycle, and like there are things that I did then with tools that I'm using now, and it's the they're not the same thing but they kind of feed in which is what you were saying dan is it? it's like this kind of you're, you're pulling in the things you need and the more you fill your tank with all these other things the more stuff you've got to draw on it doesn't have to be like oh if you want to do this you have to learn this line of inquiry it's like you know because that's a very rigid yeah. way of thinking and and then you know it's taking that and then take it to another level make sure there's some research that goes behind there if you have found something make sure it is skin safe read up about it research about the product that that's what i like you know just genuinely digging mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. you know you're constantly digging at things to find new purposes new new um reasons for using them or cheaper ways of working so uh, are you uh, on anything at the moment are you doing stuff yourself or, or, or having fun with anything this is not a job inquiry but i'm just, just uh, finding out how you're using your time <laughs> are you are you like surrounded by some sculpting stuff or you got like a wet canvas next to you ready to paint or <laughs> or, or, or Stuart, you wouldn't want to see my house right now <laughs> <laughs> or like me a bunch, a bunch of sweet wrappers and empty cans like, woo like oh yeah definitely that's me Pepsi. too i think um so um Last year, I sort of set up my own studio space, which is uh, amazing. And then, obviously, we we hit this, and um, I sort of had to move everything out from there, um, which was a bit devastating. You know, I worked like good couple of years to sort of achieve mm -hmm. that. Um, and now everything's so I have a small workshop in in my garden, and is big enough to work in so everything's back in there I've decluttered everything um and I'm just constantly doing stuff <laughs> I'm constantly you know going in playing with things but I'm not I'm not doing it for any purpose so so it feels quite free you know I'm not I'm not doing I you know I've got nothing in the calendar um I'm not uh booked for any jobs at the moment so hopefully soon anybody listening i'm free available um <laughs> but it's really it's nice you know like as much as it's been really is is you know i saw your instagram post the other day i thought it was absolutely brilliant where you've put you know those theatrical masks one happy one sad and that literally has been like me throughout this entire process you know because it's such a up and down experience of like i really want to be doing this or i can't do it or i really want to be doing it or i want to go out i want to do this i want to so it's just at the moment just trying to find peace with then that could be doing anything so yesterday i was doing some marcel wave waving work just trying to improve that and but i'm not getting up in the morning and thinking i have a strict list of things that i must be doing and i'm spending time with my family and making sure that i'm around and um we got you know there's a lot of things going on going on at the moment at home and it's just being there, being able to spend time while I can now with my grandparents who are getting, you know, older, uh, my siblings and my parents, and having that time really without too much pressure of, of, you know, I've got to do this right now because we don't, yeah, we're not going. There is no work, so you know, it'll be there. It'll all be there. 
when it all starts back up, really it'll going, all be there. Yeah. We'll be working hard, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. it's best to use this time. And I'm really loving, you know, seeing other people doing doing things and, you know, doing their um, online education and encouraging other people. And I have thought whether, you know, oh, man, I should I should be doing that as well. You know, I should be doing these things. And I just thought, actually, you know, mm-hmm. this is family time for me now. And just appreciating the spread a Definitely. little bit of love and appreciating back, so, the people around yeah. me. There'll always be other things. But um, one thing's taught us, you know, this thing has taught us is that the, the people around you, like you say, the connections, uh, it's very important to keep those going and, and uh, at a time where you can't otherwise do much else it's a good time to kind of uh, you know get close to that yeah exactly that how have you been Todd? keeping yourself Todd, busy you go. you've been busy <laughs> oh boy very busy boy oh well i've i've <laughs> i've had a i've had a i've had a few projects um i've got a got a little little one that i'm working on right now where i'm doing doing some some masks for a I think there's going to be a Halloween show at a at a theme park in Utah. Mm. Um, I did some some second unit effects work on a on a feature film up in the Black Hills of South Dakota. Somewhere in the Black Mountain Hills of Dakota, there <laughs> lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. Uh, <laughs> up in up in that part of the country for a a period horror western, which was really fun. Got to do some some nice bloody gags for that. Um, I have a, I'm, I'm tending some, some plants in the, in the garden and I've got a koi pond that keeps me occupied. It's nice that we have, Stuart's been to, to my house a number of times. Uh, so I, my backyard is one of my favorite parts of the, of the house is it's fenced in and yeah, like I, I i can get away from it all just by going yeah, it's outside. you got like that that workshop out back with storage and then you've got little sections of the barbecue you know area and that was all cool yeah and i've cleaned and i've cleaned it out in the back so That's now nice i can actually walk in there and not knock things off the shelves because <laughs> i've been i've been using some of this downtime to go through i've got so many molds that i don't need anymore so i've literally thrown out tons of plaster and silicone since this all started and it's it's nice that it's still a daunting task to think that oh my god i would hate to have to pack up this shop to move it someplace else <laughs> it reminds me of the loft in the goonies your place but it is it is it's yeah i've got some got some i've got some space well i got um yeah i'm i'm just this far away from yeah, being yeah, on it's, it's clearance clearance stuff that was hard work though because you especially if you've kept it for a reason you're like well but you know i never got to do anything with that but I, the second i throw it out oh and and that that just happened that that happened about a month ago i was going through these molds and i found it was for a children's production um theater production of called tomato plant girl and it was a, a mold <laughs> for mold for a for a mask that to turn the actor's head into a tomato so your the face would be there and the rest of the head's a tomato. And I said, you know, I fuck, I don't need this thing anymore. So I threw it threw it away that afternoon. I mean the trash I watched the, the, the trash truck come and haul it away and I walked back inside, came came back down to my office and the phone rang and it was actually I think it was an email from uh 
an actress I've worked with who's now like, living no, in you don't get to ask me that question now. Said, Do you still have the mold for pa- <laughs> the tomato Truman plant show. girl? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been um, oh. trying to learn. Well, I don't, I don't have it anymore, but I can, I can make another one. And ZBrush yeah. trying to get my head around that. Making little inroads, and that's taking me to all sorts of places and little that head thing. I think I showed you and the little, the little one. So I've been having fun with my, I've got my photon S. So I've been really I enjoying 3D that. printing. Yeah, and that, that, um, that poly, poly, Polymax, Polymax. Holy shit. It's amazing. That's good stuff. It's really yeah. good stuff. So I've been this really nice filament I've been using and just, um, yeah, going, going into scary areas with ZBrush and realizing actually it's not that scary. Once you know what that thing does, it just becomes another way of doing the thing that you've always done. You just didn't call it that thing. Before. And 2021 now has dynamics built into it. Oh, with the fabric, yeah. which is interesting because what I was going to do with that was having, having it pushed through fabric. Oh and yeah. So I, I can actually do that in ZBrush. I was just going to do it with wet plaster on a, on a, on a piece of fabric, but now I actually do it for real in ZBrush. So, so for me, it's been a case of like facing these demons and it's taken me, I mentioned this before, it's taken me about 10 years to pluck up the courage to use ZBrush. I've owned it for about eight years, but I haven't actually really, I get, I go in there, I get scared. I come out again. I'm terrified of it. And that, that yeah. is a road every day. I'm getting a little bit less afraid of it. And it's like, there's nothing to actually be afraid of. It's weird. I think it's because the, yeah. the idea of making something matters so I'm much to me that if how that <laughs> happens is in a, an arena that I can't control or understand, that's scary to me, but obviously that goes away the more you do it because it starts to make sense. So. Yeah, you know, and you know that you know making mistakes is the only way you learn something. But I seem to be making lots of mistakes in ZBrush, and I don't seem to be learning anything. Yeah, well, that Danger Girl skull was good. But here's the thing: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I will say this on the podcast, and I'll do it in classes about not being afraid to make mistakes. But I myself, I'm not immune to it. I still have that fear. I'm still afraid to do something wrong because you might spend ages doing something and then press the wrong button. And and I did it this afternoon. I yeah. spent about an hour on a sculpt, and then somehow clicked on something, and then. It was the old other sculpt on there, and I didn't know where to. And uh, it's, yeah, I'll figure it out. It's I've just got to tweak my interface because the way, like that little history bar at the top, I kept with the nib, and I just yeah. realized, oh, you just go to your brush preferences, you can push that off, so you know, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, your preferences, you can get rid of that. So it's all doable. It's not. It's just knowing that that you can do that. The the pressure of, of learning. It's just like anything, isn't it? It's just not being afraid to make mistakes. So even I will talk about making mistakes and I'm still terrified to make them. So that, that doesn't go away, but, but I am also enjoying the gains that I'm getting from it. So, so it's good mm-hmm. to use this time productive, but yeah, I'd be lying if I said, oh, I can now speak Cantonese and I can ride a unicycle and I've got the cure for <laughs> COVID and I've figured out my coding class. That I'm not, no, no. And so, so it's, you know, I think everybody sort of went into all of this going, okay, it looks like we might have a month <laughs> off. Oh, let's, yeah. let's do something epic, yeah. you know, let's learn. I'm going to learn all these languages. I'm going to spend every minute of the day, you know, like really studying something new. And then you realize, oh, my God, we're five months in. And, um, yeah, I, I still am not a linguist. <laughs> <laughs> I've still not done yeah, all no, those things good. on my list, but I've done Because everyone's things. looking outside. Aren't you know, I'm getting closer things. to being an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there a little closer myself. <laughs> um, amazing. And now I'm going to uh, 
Now I'm going to try Zebra. <laughs> Definitely. Have you bought it? Uh, no, I haven't. I'm a bit... <sighs> I've put it's... it off for years and years and years doing Zebra... it. I'm like, I don't want to do it digitally. No, I don't. Z I like ZBrush... my hands in the clay. ZBrush, but, um... ZBrush Core Mini is free. Is yeah, it? Get comfortable yeah. with I'm going to try it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Get yourself a little Wacom pen tool. I bought the little bamboo tablet. I think it's about the size of an A4 piece of paper. I use that. I... I've got all the gear, Stuart, but just no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, do that, do that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, because it's free and, and skirt around it a bit, but you will, I think you will enjoy it. I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would because it's not clay. And I kept saying every time I pick up the pen tool, I would say to myself in my head out loud, this is not fucking clay. And so well, I'm comparing it with that. It's the wrong thing to do. I have. I have, yeah, I have tried it in the past and that's been, you know, sometimes we do put a block on things, especially if you enjoy it. You know, I enjoy really messy work. So anything computer based or with a screen, I'm sort of missing that tactile feeling of like getting I messy. I totally and, get that. You know, moving things around with your hands, but like you said, you've, you've really, I've got to, you've got to work through it and you've got to, you've got to try these things. So I think, you know, definitely now you and you speak about it is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. I bought all the gear and I keep going in and getting really scared mm -hmm. and come back out again. So yeah, <clears throat> definitely going to give it a go. And I'll be messaging you going, I don't know if what I can done. do it. I've got a few files <laughs> I can send you, Danny, that, that <laughs> might help you work through through some of that uh, oh yeah yeah that would seriously be if i can do it you can do it i am a complete <laughs> oh yeah that's oh no Stuart, i can't get my camera to work on my laptop. <laughs> i don't think that's down to you i think that's the browser that's playing out i think that's something to yeah amazing okay so so danny if people so want to see more of your stuff where can they find you i guess in instagram you're probably quite what's your instagram it is <laughs> danny marie elias Fabulous. It's just my I'll name. I'll put that link into the show notes. Um, and I, I'm working on, on doing more. <laughs> I'm a little bit lazy with social media. I just find that's really daunting as well. That's another kettle of fish. Social media is a whole nother ball game as well. And, you know, sometimes I get a little bit too precious about what I'm putting on there or, or how I show things. And I'm not quite... Um, at that place yet where I'm really free and I'm, I'm posting the things that I'm working on. Most of the time it's because you can't. So by time you're allowed to show things, I mm -hmm. sort of feel like the time has passed. So it might be something you've worked on two years ago and it's completely out of my mind, but it's fresh for everyone else. And I, I sort of, once I've finished working on something, I get a little bit bored and I'm, I'm, there's been 10 other projects after that that I'm really excited about or the project I'm working on is, is exciting me at that time. So I forget to show anything, but, you know, I'll work on it. <laughs> I'll give it a go. <laughs> it's all anyone can ask. Um, And also... um. I, I do get a lot of students firing questions and things like that, you know, over on Facebook or Instagram. I'm always so I, I'm approachable and I'm always happy to sort of speak to people. So if anybody wants to um, pop over a message or if they got any questions about anything, I'm always Fantastic. quite right, happy we'll to links, do we'll that. We'll put the links in the show notes and awesome. Uh, yeah. On your head, be it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you and you'll be um, watching me. I'll post like a million things in the next couple of days now because I've been like, there's nothing on my Instagram. <laughs> well, there may not be a lot of posts on your Instagram, but what's there is pretty cool. Amazing. Uh, well, thank you, Danny. That's awesome. Thank you very much for the oh. chat. And um, thanks, Danny. It was awesome. Yeah, pleasure as always. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, definitely. It was hey. lovely speaking to you both. Nice to have a good old chat. Have a great weekend. Yeah, and you guys. Thanks for listening. Now go visit Stuart and Todd at battleswithbitsofrubber.com and leave them a fun voice message. Or, you can email them at stuartandtodd at gmail.com. As always, please tell a friend about this podcast. This is your announcer, Billy, and I work for free, because I'm not real. Really.